Sing, goddess, the, the anger of when Peleus, God created son the heavens Achilles. and the earth. Tell me the about a complicated to me equal to the gods that man. On it hang a thousand bucklers. Man is Agamemnon. My husband shall be the ground where justice is delivered. Gentlemen, I'm worse. Would you not forget it? Ever can destroy. Will be to govern the peoples of the world in your empire. Greetings, and welcome to a new semester of the Good Fight, where campus meets Christ. I'm excited to be back. Wow. My name, for those who are unfamiliar, is Timothy Kinneman. Everyone calls me Tim. And people might get tired of this, but I think it's because it's shorter. I think that's the only reason. It's just shorter to say Tim. I'm a junior in the college, and I'm particularly excited this semester because I happen to study the classics, and as we'll talk today... That's kind of what we're focused on this semester is the classics. So for me, it's classics and political science. But when I say political science, I just mean classical political philosophy. So it's the same thing. All right. Who, who wants to introduce themselves next? Hi, guys. I'm Tina. If you guys were listening to our summer series, you would have heard of my voice. But I'm a sophomore in C studying biomedical engineering. And I'm very excited to talk with everyone about the classics and literature in this coming semester. Hello, hello. I am Grace Lita Gonzalez. I am a junior in CC, studying economics and math. And hopefully y'all know of me. If you've ever listened to the podcast before, minus one episode, I have been there. Just that one. Just that one. But Gabrielle filled in very well for me. Um, may it never have to happen again. Yes. But um, I hope if this is your first time that you enjoy our voices because you'll be hearing a lot of us. Indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm Chase Chumchaw. I uh, was I, I featured once over the summer. Chase and... is the de facto <laughs> biggest fan of the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, <laughs> I didn't keep up with the magician. I didn't keep up with the magician's nephew and some of. Yeah. Well, anyways, I, I I did feature once, though, for the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe conversation, which was a very exciting dialogue. But I am a junior in Columbia College. I uh, also study classics and oh, English yeah. lit. So I'm very classics. excited to be able to join my friends here today. Hello. I'm Gabrielle, the one that filled in for Grace Salida and, <laughs> and made a few appearances wow. otherwise. Um I'm a sophomore in Columbia College, and I'm also studying classics, but also with Russian literature, which is a weird what? twist. Yeah, I, I never I saw know. it coming. No, who did? <laughs> um, I, I guess I'm excited. You know, I mean, I don't come to things if I'm not excited for them. So I am quite. Good. So we've mentioned the classics now because three of us study them. Um, and ho hopefully if you've seen for Tina and myself oh yes <laughs> hopefully if you've seen our fall trailer you know why we've chosen to read and focus on the classics this semester pop quiz why are we doing that all Columbia kids have to read the classics well not all all CC kids have to read the classics yes NGS NGS and those engineering students who choose to. That is true. So it turns out to be a big population. 
it's what's the class called anyone a literature and humanities typically known as lit hum but i've heard one person pronounce it lit hume like the u chicago people that's weird i know who were they <laughs> wow were they another c's kid no cc actually <gasps> wow chase what's lit hum lit hum as you mentioned is a required uh class within the core in columbia college and basically it is I kind of want to say a survey course on just classical literature, starting from uh, uh, the Greek tradition down to what? What is the last book on the syllabus? Uh, Tony, toward, Tony Morrison, right? Yes, Tony Morrison. So more modern texts like Tony Morrison, Virginia. Father Wolf. comes home from the wars. But then there's Citizen, um, an American lyric, which is constantly updating. Yeah, it's a hodgepodge. That was good, Chase. Thanks for that. So yeah, we want to talk about literature humanities, but I think um, in the trailer we also maybe we didn't mention maybe we cut that line to make it shorter. But you know, these courses, as Columbia students, those of us here, um, we're familiar with these works as Columbia students. But at the end of the day, like my mom has read many of these texts. Um, you know, a lot of parents have. It, they're just they're like cult classics. Um, when you think about literature that you're going to read. Um, and I think that ties nicely into kind of the first question we ought to ask, which is just like, what is a classic? What makes in literature humanities, like especially in the fall semester, right? What makes something part of the classics? Very big question. I think that's also a question that the class itself is designed to answer. Why, what, why is this book even in the syllabus? And I think a trend is that usually in the classics, I feel like it's very tied to the society's philosophy at the time. So if that civilization, um, so the ideas the civilization is built upon, we can usually find it in the classics too. I think there's also an element of like the role or importance a text has played in like the in a cultural context. Um, and so like most of the, I would say most of the books that we read definitely in the first semester, um, because some of them are newer in the second semester, it doesn't quite apply, but especially for the first semester, they have a lot of historical relevance, um, both in terms of like intellectual thought, the development of intellectual thought, but then also like very practical ramifications, um, like reading the Bible, right? Like they, the reading, like those biblical texts had very practical implications for, our current society. And so would you say that a particular text stands as a representative for uh, both a particular community and a particular time in history? I suppose so. I don't know if that quite encompasses the intellectual thought part as well as I think it should, because I think there definitely is this element of like, um, like the development of intellectual thought as well. Yeah, so I'd say one interesting way to approach how we define classics is an interesting mix of a good way to look at a particular so like a piece that really displays what how a society thought in a certain time and a universal so it's not just showing us what how the ancient greeks thought but it's also showing us deeper through deeper truths about how humans act um you know what is it it poses important questions that 
it doesn't matter when and where you live, but you will encounter those questions such as what is what is morally access, uh, acceptable. Yeah. yeah, and even things like the fact, like what makes a society a society or what's a perfect society. We, I think we ask a lot of those questions in like Plato's Republic, for example. Like what makes, what would a, a perfect society look like if there could be such a thing? Yeah, and I think... Um, classics are not singular a lot of the time the many works we read are literally in conversation with each other they constantly reference each other taking plato as an example he's not in lit hum but he's in contemporary civilization he oh, also my bad, ref- bro. he is in lit hum but oh, not but not, not the republic. republic right yeah. yeah but in the republic he does reference the iliad and the odyssey and throughout the greek and roman works we do see them constantly calling each other out quoting each other and building on each other's ideas yeah and i think that kind of ties to um what i was saying before about how even even if like for example you have to read don quixote in the second semester of lit hum even if don quixote doesn't explicitly mention homer you can find similar elements you can find themes that are similar between the two because they both ultimately deal with questions of human existence I think, Gabrielle, like if I were to summarize what we just said, Gabrielle, I think you said it best in um, bringing out the, the element of the particular and the universal, right? So on the one hand, you have the what, what makes it a cult classic, right? Cultural classic is that it's, a Chase, you mentioned, right, in a particular culture at a particular time, right? And that's the, the particularity of it. It's seeing who thought what when. Um, but then there's also this universe. Well, there's kind of a middle zone, I think, which is not necessarily particular to that time and that place, but is also present. It's how has this idea influenced the culture that I now live in, which is not the same particularity, but it's also not quite as universal as Gabrielle is getting at, right? It's, it's seeing the thread of time uh, trace itself from the past to the present within a culture one might say it's finding similarity across difference Uh, tying together two particulars not necessarily um yes tying two tying two particulars together and i suppose similarity across difference and the difference of time so maybe yeah yeah but then you also have kind of the, the universality which is um something that everyone can attach to um the questions of humanity itself and not of a particular culture and time and place. So yeah, I, I think I think those are three good elements for a classic. Um, the next question is why and I think this answer ties very much to the, the answers we just gave. It could. Like why do we read these works in Lit Hum? Or why does my mom read the Iliad for fun, right? Like in the 21st century, what does Homer matter? A guy who wrote like, what, 2,600, 2,700 years ago? That's a very good question. I, and I am, I feel like compelled to answer it like with different ways. But I think one will be, one way I'll answer this is kind of my own decision to like study classics uh, and I remember I was reading uh, Hannah Arendt's like The Human Condition, and I realized 
that the way that she was using um, the Greek polis, uh, which is the the political structure that the like ancient Greeks uh, had, to work with these like modern questions about politics, I found like very compelling because I, I guess like growing up when people talked about history, it seemed like the reason why we should study history is because history repeats itself, and that's not necessarily false. I think there's a lot of truth in that, but it's I what I found. Or what I discovered, I'd say, this past year is that not only does like history repeat itself, but kind of what we were just talking about, like everything in the present has been developed through history. Like the present moment is because of countless contingencies that have led here. Um, and so when we like transfer that particularly to like these literary works, um, thinking about the Greeks, as I believe uh, one of you mentioned about um, how the Iliad is almost like the foundation of like later Greek thought and how that just develops through time. time. And so I think we can really see that with our, um, and also I, I, I just, I think that it's important to define like, what do we mean by like today? Um, like what is today? What, what is so different about today versus yesterday? And I think one of it is how, um, because of just like various different technologies, like social media and the accessibility of like these texts in ways I don't think have been present in the past, it's easy to be kind of stuck in the present, um, but these kind of draw you back into the past and show you how it addresses um, the today. And it's also that the classics aren't confined in the past. I do think it's a cycle. Um, we can still see the classics today. I mean, in New York, you go to the Met and a lot of the art is based on the classics or is connected to the classics. So they are still very much present in our society and culture. So by going back, you learn more about how we got here, like Chase said. Um, and by learning about the past, you can further change it and evolve on it. What were the flaws? What were the virtues of these? And how does that inform our current society and our path forward? I think one important thing to note about the classics is the reason why they are classic is because they are good. I mean, the authors were really good at writing fiction or portraying humanity. And I think... I think it was Aristotle in the Poetics who said something like, uh, or maybe it was, no, it was Plato. He said that a part of understanding something is not just what it is, but why it is. And a big part of reading fiction is seeing not just a sequence of events, but the causal links between them. So when one works, when one reads a really good work of fiction that really is great at showing those causal links. One not one doesn't just understand how we got here, but one can use it to understand everyday life, like w why people act in a certain way. Mm. Why do I act the way that I do? Um, what relevance does that have for other people? Uh, so it's not just about seeing how we got here, I completely agree, but it's also just translating into how we think about everyday life and giving meaning to everyday life. There also, there's definitely like the element of necessity to it as well. Not, I mean, not true necessity, right? Like you, you, you don't need to read the classics to live a good life um, or to survive well. And a lot of people don't, um, but it does provide a like other context for looking at the world. Um, it almost reminds me of like idioms. Um, like my dad as a non-native English speaker um knows so many more phrases than I do in English because when he came to the States 
every phrase was a new phrase. Like every little idiom that he like that Americans have, he was like, what the world do people mean? <laughs> and so he studied a lot of like he studied all sorts of ones and he like picks up on them and tries to remember them and understand them. And so now he has a much larger like vocabulary or like idioms that he can he knows that like he's taught me that I never hear anyone else say, but somehow he knows them because it was important to him. Um, and I feel like there's an element to which like the classics are very similar when you can go through life without ever under like without reading them. Um, and you can go through life without understanding or really understanding the context or you can hear them and like be like, eh, or like hear references to them and be like, eh, like not really understanding what it is, but that's like not being a detriment. But then once you do understand, once you're either like taught an idiom or when you've read a book or a poem or whatever it might be, that's that's considered a classic um and it's referenced in other places it opens up like a whole other door into like into using it as a metaphor or using it to explain a concept that you wouldn't otherwise have been able to fully capture before um and there's something really beautiful about like a shared um a shared form of expression through basically like through through the ages i think that's I mean, that's like the reason why I chose to study classics was I kind of an, an amalgamation of everything though. But like, I think you, you put it well, Grace Lita, just like being able to see through the idiom or through the, um, the reference and trace that reference in a very long historical progression backwards and just recognize all the ways that it's been used and developed to mean what it means now, or, you know, if you're reading something 100, 150 years ago, to see what it means then. And then, like, it's just a view, a very beautiful tradition. Um, and it very much ties to who I am today, living in the world that I live in today. Um, and just being able to recognize, not even that, I, I mean, Gabriel, I, I definitely agree the classics are good. Um, but it, it's a separate discussion right whether the classics are the best right whether if you compare like uh all of greek and roman literature to like chinese ancient chinese literature right there's a debate to be had which one's better but i don't think you have to wade into that debate to say that it's worth reading the classics because where we live and how we live is very much influenced by the tradition coming from the Greek and Roman thought, at least here in the United States. So that's why I study the classics now. Um, but one, one question that has kind of racked my brain as I've gotten more and more into it um, is just the clear divide you see between classics and Christianity, right? We're talking about pre- in, in at least the Greek and Roman era, pre-Christian pagan literature. And so as Christians, what, why do we read this stuff? Like what, what value is it to us as Christians, right? Not speaking as us as like individuals within a culture, but now speaking as individuals within a kingdom, God's kingdom. Like what, what value do we derive there? Well, from a very, very practical standpoint, and I think this is just surface level, 
Um, like if we think about Paul's letters in the New Testament, he's in a cultural context, um, especially like an intellectual cultural context that he writes directly about or references in his letters, um, especially in relation to um, like new, I don't know, would you consider them like philosophical thoughts? I guess so. Um of like the era and using them to write to Gentiles. Like he uses them to argue, um, to put forth an argument for um, God and for Jesus Christ as part of the Trinity. Um, And so I think that like from a very practical standpoint, gaining an understanding, especially with like some of the older, like the older texts that we read um, a lot, like gives you a glimpse into his world Um, But I think that's very surface level. I also think there's something really beautiful and wonderful about um, like comparing or not comparing, but like seeing the parts of our faith that are in these classics, like things like Dante's Inferno, um, literally the Bible, like we read parts of the Bible, that one's obvious. Um, And seeing the things that we might agree or disagree with, like there are parts of Dante's Inferno that are like i can i can i do a little yes i can a little random rant but um taking dante's inferno for example um like i thought it was really helpful to see all of a sudden where so many cultural beliefs about christianity came from especially as it comes to like hell um and before i never really thought like where they came from because i was like i know they're not in the bible but I don't really know why everyone believes them, but I didn't think too hard about it. And then reading Dante's Inferno and hearing classmates be like, oh yeah, like taking it as though it was like Christian doctrine, being like, no, that's not doctrine at all. Like <laughs> that's not, like that's not universally held. Um, I think it, it, has a, it has a very refining element to it. Um, and so obviously that is of a more Christian perspective. Um, but I think even reading something like the Iliad, um, has a same refining aspect to it as well um, of like taking your faith and putting it up against something else and saying what like how how does it relate to this and how can we grow from it I want to build on that so part of what Grace Alito was saying was that as Christians we read the classics to find our own place within it and also to understand conversation with people who aren't Christian and I think I also I did feel that reading the classics. I grew up in Shanghai and um, Christians are not an isolated group. First of all, we live in a culture with other people, people of other religions, but also within Christianity, there are different types of, there are different Christians, people who grew up in the States or Christians who grew up in China. And I think to connect with anyone, be it someone who's not religious or just another Christian, it is useful invaluable to turn to the classics to understand uh, why you think this way or um, how just how did you get here Uh, so it'd be like if you go to China and you want to understand them you'll turn to Confucius you can turn to Taoism Mm -hmm. and you're in the west you turn to the classics like the Iliad and the Aeneid I think another uh, thing that I mean to kind of go off of what you were saying Tina another thing is um Reading the classics, classics really makes you think, and I think it's it's great to constantly find ways to train your mind to be able to think. And of course, you could do that reading the Bible, but 
uh, reading the classics does so in a way that I guess to kind of bridge what you two were saying, um, if being able to interact with the thoughts of another culture, um, uh, thoughts that might be a little different, being able to scrutinize your own beliefs and the beliefs of others, it develops a sort of ability to think really well. And also along uh, those lines, I think it also helps train like uh, a literary imagination, if you will, in the sense of, I'm thinking particularly when we, um, approach these texts in the context of lit hum through the essays and through the way that through the ways that the professor teaches you to read it and to think about it you definitely have to pick up on a lot of like literary tools and you have to start using them um and i think this is very useful when we study god's word because at the end of it it is um not just a bunch of different uh books but it is one single book and there are motifs and there are connections. There's a thread that we that's uh, woven from Genesis to Revelation. So in that sense, I think it's also important that we cultivate that kind of literary approach to God's word, but also taking it as like God's um, God's word. Yeah, I think, Chase, that um, one thing we might be able to say about why these works are so rich with this literary uh, skill is because the authors were good, right? What Gabrielle said earlier. Um, and that ties to what I think for me has made the classics so important is that not only are they good, but they also have truth and beauty, right? And these are the, the three transcendentals, right? And so we see their goodness, which I think also ties to their beauty. Um, but uh, to, uh, to uh, talk about my man, Augustine, uh, and the mm -hmm. Platonists, uh, he says the Platonists come the closest to truth, right? The Platonists have come the closest to truth. Um, they're not all the way there, right? It takes plus, you take Platonism plus Christianity and you mix the two and then you get what Augustine is saying is the truth. Um, I think I disagree with Augustine there, but that's another <laughs> conversation. <laughs> but but it's still this idea, right, that the I, the thoughts and um, imaginations of the pre-Christian pagans and even atheistic post-Christian thought, if you want to put it that way, um, it's, not, it's not completely wrong, right? There is some truth in it. And if you're Augustine in the case of the Platonists, there's actually a lot of truth in it. Um, and it just takes reorienting to god right re-sacrificing it to the creator to make it whole and perfect um and fully true capital t true um so i think i think that's what makes the classics interesting to me is that you know even if they're completely removed and we've talked there are a lot of instances where they're really deep in the christian tradition but even if they're completely removed prior to or after um, Christian thought, um, it's still something that is going to be trying to find truth. And through that, we'll discover some. And as Christians, I think we have a, a duty to then sift through that and say, where is the truth? Um, and uh, what can that tell me about God, who he is, what he's created us to be, the world to be, 
and then from that, what we ought to do in the world and uh, with our peers. So that's what I have. Anyone got any final thoughts? No, I love the classics. All right. I'll make a plea for you. Tim's plea to everyone is uh, become a classics major. Yes. Um, and if you would like to learn more, please send us an email. We always take emails <laughs> um, at witnessthegoodfight at gmail.com. If you email us asking about classics, Tim will reply. I will. Without a doubt. Within a day. You are also more than welcome to send us a message on Instagram or Facebook at the Good Fight Pod. Uh, once again, if you're asking about being a classics major, Tim will reply. I will, yeah. You will also become his new best friend. So hopefully the bar's low. Send <laughs> us a message. I'm sure he'll love to get uh, a cup of coffee with you too. Yes. And talk about classics. So um, hopefully I'll hear from you about becoming a classics major. And otherwise, uh, I hope we will inundate your eardrums with more beautiful voices next week. But until then, have a great week. Bye. 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 Bye.